Maybe big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vin, the producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Chris Madden, co-founder of Matchnode, talks about how his familiarity with entrepreneurship allowed for him to enjoy finding solutions in business. Vincent is joined by Brian Gold as our guest co-host. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I am your host, Vincent Petrofessa, the well-caffeinated, as always. Or am I? Could this just be my personality? It's, you know, if you've met me, you're like, yeah, it's just him. It's so good to be back here talking to you. I felt like it's been a while since we recorded a new episode. It was the holidays, it was New Year's, it was just people being busy but it's so great to be back to you here at the Marketing Stir and Starista. That's, that's, you know, for those of you just joining us, we talk about Starista for 30 seconds. Take it easy. It's not an advertiser-driven show. We say no to the advertisers who want to advertise because it's just a conversation, people. Starista, we are a marketing technology company. We own our own B2B data, our own B2C data. We also own our own technology to help those customers, our amazing customers, target that data through our own ESP, our own DSP. It's a lot of acronyms, I know. But here are a few more. Connected TV, display, OTT. That's how we can help. Email me, vincent at starista.com. I just gave you my email address. That's how confident I am. And thank you for using that email address for a variety of reasons, I must add. But you're constantly letting us know you like the podcast. Some of you are interested in Starista. Great. Others want to be on the podcast. It's fine. Others of you try to sell me products. Fine. That's okay too, but I'm glad you're listening. Ladies and gentlemen, today, our normal co-host, our CEO, our knight in shining armor, I only say that because he's not on the podcast, is not with us today. He is on a plane coming back from Beat Retreat, fresh off of the sun-kissed Puerto Rico, where I'm in freezing New York, is uh, AJ's not here, but we have a new co-host, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is one of, he works here at Starista. He's newly promoted to the vice vice president of strategic partnerships and a longtime listener. He's listened to more episodes than me, ladies and gentlemen. Put your hands together for Brian Gold. What's going on, Brian? Wow, wow, wow. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Vincent. What an honor. Big, big shoes to fill here. I'll, I'll do my best to do it some justice. Brian Cole, what's new with you, man? How I, I saw you a couple months ago, but it's been a while. Tell me what's, uh, what's up. Yeah, yeah. No, it was good to see you, Vin. And I, I look forward to seeing you here in just a couple of weeks at Ramp Up. That's new. We're going to be out there in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, we can see some of, uh, some of our clients and, and listeners even. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to be at Ramp Up. Uh, February 27th. This probably will not come out before then, but it was great seeing you in uh, in San Francisco, everyone. Yes, there will be. That's a new thing, Brian. Uh, maybe it'll happen to you now that you're co-hosting one of the episodes. People will come up to you. It's not like 50 people. It's like two or three. Like, man, I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm like, I appreciate that, ma'am or sir. So 
Get used to that, Brian. This all is right, your, big, all right. your big your big debut. But this is it. This is this it. Is, this right. is it. But Brian, let me tell you something. Not only are we excited to have you, we are excited to have this next guest on the podcast. I'm so glad that we uh, found this guest. So this guest found us, really, I should say, uh, which is which is awesome. We love when that happens. Uh, I can't wait to talk to him. He and I share our love for a few things, right? All right? For this industry, but for the Chicago Bulls, right? That's a big love of ours. What do you mean? How are you a Chicago Bulls fan, Vin, and you grew up in New York? Well, let me tell you, Brian, because growing up in the 90s, it's, it's really back when it was like four channels and I had newspaper for shoes. No, there were... That was the Bulls were on Michael Jordan, baby, and and I still kept with them. And I really want you to hear from this next guest. He is the co-founder of an awesome company called Matchnode. A warm marketing stir. Welcome to Chris Madden from Matchnode. What's going on, Chris? Hey, what's going on, Vincent? Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here, Brian. Welcome. We'll uh, we'll get through this together. All right. I like the way you think, Chris. Let's do it. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, welcome, Chris. It's it's great to have you here. And yes, I'm glad that, you know, there is uh, some of your people, should we say, that's a cool thing to have. Some of your people uh, re reached out to us, and, and that happens a lot. That does happen a lot where as we grow in popularity, and we usually kind of dismiss a lot of those people. But I was like, no, this guy's great. Chris is awesome. I love what they're doing at Match Node. Maybe I saw the Chicago Bulls thing. The sim I was like, all right, we got to talk to him. But you, you impressed us, Chris, and I know you're going to impress our audience here. No pressure. I did put. I, I'm putting a lot of pressure on you and Brian today. Thanks. Yeah. But, yeah. but it is great to have you here. So, Chris, let's get it right off of off the bat here. Tell us about Matchnode. Uh, thank you. Matchnode is a uh, social agency. So we are a digital agency. We generally help. Uh, B2C brands on social platforms, but uh, definitely extends out to Google and uh, TikTok. We have both creative and technical services in-house. So um, we're very strategic and we help companies essentially drive ROI on social. And tell us about it. So you're, you're uh, two questions to that. So the co-founder, what some of your day-to-day, -day, are you on the, are you on some of the pitches? Are you behind the scenes? Are you doing marketing? And then Tell us then how you got into this crazy world we call marketing, right? Social. Uh, I am on the pitches. Uh, uh, so my co-founder and I split up the responsibilities. Uh, you know, we've been in business for nine years. We split up our responsibilities, thankfully, about eight years ago. Uh, it took us one year to figure that out. Uh, but what what I do for the agency is, is I run the agency. So yes, the first uh, touches with potential new clients, I'm responsible for the P&L. And I'm responsible to make sure that uh, our teammates and our clients have what they need to be successful. Uh, my co-founder, Brian, manages our team that provides the value for all of our clients. So he's on the operations and delivery side, and I run our agency is how we've split it up so far. And how'd you get into this crazy business? How I got into this crazy business? Um, I would say my first filter is entrepreneur, and, and marketing has always been one of my deepest skill sets, marketing and technology from the time I was early in my career. So um, Brian and I met because he hired myself and my third, our third co-founder, Dan, to build an affiliate marketing program way back in the day and like, get him saying 2011 uh, for an athletic recruiting company that he were, was an early employee at here in Chicago. 
years pass. We stay friends. We both move on. We end up at a Pearl Jam concert together and uh, at Wrigley Field before, uh, you know, before the Pearl Jam concert, we're having beers and we're like, hey, you want to start an agency? Because he had some freelance clients. I had some freelance clients and we were, you know, talking, having beers and talking about marketing a lot. So it wasn't quite as out of left field as that sounds. But uh, so we we go enjoy the concert. Yeah, that's Friday. On Monday, we get together and start working on clients together. Uh, and about you know, two, let's say four years ago, so you know, five years after that night, we uh, won the Cubs ownership as clients. We're like looking over Wrigley Field, signing the deal, and they have the flag from that concert behind glass, like up on the wall. And so we told them, of course, we're like, we were at that show, and that's actually how we, when we started the agency, and they were with it. So you know, marketing has been something that he and I shared a love of from the start. It's how we met. And uh, yeah, we just enjoy doing the work and helping solve business problems for our clients. I love Chicago, Chris. I don't, I, I, I don't love the Cubs. I'm just going to say it right now, but I love Chicago. I have a deep respect for the, their love of the Cubs, but I'm a Cardinals fan and I happen to live around Kenmore and Grace, just north of Wrigley Field there for about four years, sort of in the lion's den. Amazing experience walking around the daytime games, the, the fire station with the, the hose, you know, the, uh, the faucet. Yeah coming out for the dogs and everything. It's, it's an amazing environment. Hopefully as a Cardinals fan, you did not live there in 2016. 2016, um, I was, yeah. When they won the World Series. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Ho hopefully, the, uh, hopefully our clients aren't listening, although if they really care, I think they already know that I'm a White Sox fan. So uh, <laughs> I'm happy for all the good that the Cubs have done for the city. You know, once the White Sox won out, we, we won the World Series in 2005, which is sadly obviously 18 years ago now, I like my edge about Cub fans wore off and I was happy for my Cub fans friends who, when they finally won. So it's all good. And we're all, we're all cheering for Chicago, uh, at least here, but I can understand as a cards fan, that might not be the case. No, it was a blast though. A lot of, a lot of White Sox fans high-fiving you though, you know, wearing your Cardinals jersey. So share that. <laughs> well, Chris, let, let me ask you a question. What, what was the inspiration behind starting that show? Uh, I would say that the inspiration around starting Mashdode was um, an idea to help companies grow in a strategic and profitable way. I was coming out of a startup at the time that raised investor money and we never, and we did a lot of cool things. It was a video game business, but we never had the unit economics that made sense. It was like investors pump some money in. It was a cool concept. And, and so I was very motivated by, um, you know, having a business where every single month we could go and help companies and what they need, good people, people we liked helping, and that uh, the amount of money that they pay us each month was greater than the amount of money we spent each month. So, so frankly, like there is such a, like a core business reality that was our inspiration. And I think we're very cool and proud of that and are cool with that and proud of that. Uh, Brian, my co-founder was similar. Like we both believe in expanding the pie. We think our businesses help expand our clients' pies and, and that we all kind of have a more abundant world because uh, we're collaborating and doing good work with one another. Uh, we're pretty specialized and we have specialists on our team, despite the fact that I, as an entrepreneur, I'm a generalist and I understand and Brian also understands. So I think it's this combination of strategy meets like business fundamentals meets like a human desire to help others. Yeah. Yeah. So from an entrepreneurial perspective, so tell me a little bit about what that process was like, especially with, with a friend, 
of starting the business? Yeah, of sort of, you know, you got the idea, you shared a beer at Wrigley, you guys decided we're going to move forward with this. So what's the actual, you know, you, you put your head down, what's that process look like? Well, like I said, on Friday, we're at this show. On Monday, we got together at a coffee shop. And I think it's literally like, okay, I've got this client, you've got that client. How much money is that? How much money do we need each month to pay our rent or whatever? Uh, and and I remember, and I have I come across notes every once in a while from some of those first days where we're like, okay, if we can get to 40K per month, like that would mean X, Y, and it seemed like this wild thing that we would never be able to get to half a million dollars a year sort of run rate because of, you know, frankly, where we were when we started. And now I do look back and, and I'm, I'm thankful for the realities, of, you know, how things progressed, but like the, the pure blocking and tackling of entrepreneurship, like the, the, the operations of starting a business, I was deeply familiar with, I've, um, I've started multiple businesses. Like I said, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur first. It's part of why I think I was able to come into this business after like, you know, 10 years of my career doing very different things and be able to uh, enjoy solving different business problems for our clients, whether it's a sports team or a bank or, you know, a D2C startup sort of client. Um, but the actual like entrepreneurial realities of starting the business to me are a little bit less interesting than some of the entrepreneurial systems that we put in place as we got a little bit further along and understood a little bit more what we were doing and had some resources. So, you know, we're members of Entrepreneurs Org, which is a wonderful global peer network of entrepreneurs and uh, 150 of us in Chicago. It's a great chapter in New York, any city you could be in, I'm sure. And so we run EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, which just helps us schedule our communication with our team, manage our team, how we hire, all those sorts of things are entrepreneurial overlays that we put on top of the business. And so that kind of, that process that you're asking about at the early stage you know, the beginning things of, you know, starting an LLC and getting a bank account, it's like very dry and tactical and you just kind of have to do it. The future stuff that I just mentioned to me was much more interesting and exciting because you can see the clicks of the alignment on the team because the communication is better and then you see the results get better and you see the stress drop and you see the quality go up and the hiring's better. And so for me, seeing those, they're not even flywheels, it's just like compounding effects of small continuous improvements is, is to me what the process is. Yes. No, I, I love hearing, I love, I love the story, you know, Chris, it's like, you know, you and your, your pals just at a concert. That's, that's so cool, man. It's like, I've, I've talked to, you know, hundreds of people on the podcast and it's never been, uh, you know, a story like that. So uh, I love hearing that. And the name Match Note, where, where's that? come from well obviously similar era to that to that um concert story but um essentially i had well i i, I was familiar with how hard it is to name a business and not just to like come up with a name but to come up with a name that you can actually use that you can get the url for that you can get um you know the trademark for so of course most common words or most things that you would think of are, are already trademarked by somebody else. So I, at the time was of the mind that like you put two kind of partial words together and make up a new word was kind of a good way to go. And so through a lot of ideation and different processes where we're throwing out parts of words that we like the word node came up, you know, and this was pre-crypto. We, we have a lot of crypto exposure these days as a business, but this was Right, like right around probably when Bitcoin was invented, I was not thinking about Bitcoin, but but as the idea of a node, 
and connector, connecting point between two things made a lot of sense to me to fit with what we want to do in our business. And then matching different nodes. It's an audience and a message. It's a agency and a client. It's two people. It's anything. And, and like that, um, that imagery has carried through in our business and that we are about like connecting things, conversions, the, the, the right person with the right ad. And, and we count those things as part of our our, our daily numbers and our, you know, the numbers that we track on a very regular basis is like how many of those sorts of connections are we, are we making? So I wouldn't say that when I, that when we came up with the name match node, that I knew that all of that was going to kind of work as the way it did. It was a much later light bulb when I was like, wait a minute, it's these conversions are the things and those are the connections. And that is how we're matching a couple different nodes as, as, as years have passed and crypto has gotten big. You know, I get Google alerts for for the word batch note or whatever. If if something somebody writes something about us, it's always now like in code. It's like there's there's uh, you know like a lot of Chinese writing and then the word batch note because there's a there's some language or some programming language that's actually in now. So yeah, that's the story of the name. That's awesome. No, I, I love it. And you know, can I talk about some of your clients? You have some impressive that's... clients. You know, it's uh, you know New Balance, uh, Lending Tree. But also some, you know, local ones, right? And I want to talk to you about that. It's a Chicago Bulls, and I, I knew you were from Chicago, and we talked about how our, our love for the Bulls. But that's a client of yours, and so it's like, wow. how how cool, you know, is that? First of all, because you're probably rooting for it. It's like me with like the New York Giants. If like the New York Giants were my client, why aren't the New York Giants my client? Let's get on that's that. Real question. Mar- family, question. I know, right? Man, I know they're big fans of the podcast the owners of the Giants. And uh, so, it, you know, it, tell me about how cool that is. And, and also what, what are like some of your favorite campaigns that you've worked on? Uh, well, Vincent, I think we may have discussed this previously, but I think you and I are about the exact same age. That might've been one of the things that you liked about Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're class of, class of 96. I just revealed exactly. that right. We look great. We look right. great so we could... That's man. I knew there was so, like a number of things. You know. So as you well understand, uh, well, I also grew up in Chicago and I was... Uh, you know, when, when the Bulls won their first championship, I was in eighth grade. And so through all of high school and college, I was, you know, enjoying, enjoying that to say the least. And I played basketball and it was just like, it took over the city. And of course, culturally, Michael Jordan and the brand exploded globally along with, with the NBA. And so I just was a very impressionable kid at that age that, that, that just absolutely loved that team. And so for I remember exactly where I was uh, when the lead came through. It was like they filled out a lead on our web, filled out a form on our website, and I was like, "What? What?" <laughs> you know. And of course, Google the name. Like, is this real? And I talked. My co-founder happened to be sitting next to me, and I'm like, I said to him, "Of all the companies in the world, or all the leads we could get to fill out the form, what do you think my most favorite, you know, one would be?" And the Bulls were his second guess. I think his first guess was something about Costa Rica because I used to live there. Right. Um, so yeah, it was the Bulls, and it's been great. It's been four four or five years. Uh, we got through a pandemic together, uh, and it, they're just really great partners. Um, I I you know go to tons of games. I feel super fortunate to be able to do that. You know, we send we have um, a skybox a couple times a year when our teammates are in town and we get together. And what's great about the Bulls, and this is part of what they offered us when we started working together, was just they've opened a lot of doors for us. Like, uh, you know, you probably saw it, like you said, when you're researching us to see if it makes sense to have me on this podcast. I, I definitely get the sense, of course, of like, the credibility factor that we got there. Um, it, it definitely helped us get the Chicago Blackhawks, which helped us get the Arizona Coyotes. Um, 
similarly, the United Center is a, a the arena that the Bulls and Blackhawks play in as a separate client for us that the Bulls connected us to. And that would probably be my favorite campaign to answer that question. That is relatively recent to uh, say uh, last year, about a year ago right now, the Bulls and the United Center discussed the idea that the United Center has more luxury suites in it than any stadium in the United States. And when the Bulls were at their peak and for maybe like a decade after those suites were bought out and paid for by corporations and every single one of them was sold out in the last, you know, five to 10 years, if you watch on TV, you can just see that there's a lot of them that are open when you're there, there's, there's half of them are open. Um, and so there's a lot of uh, unsold inventory there and, and they'd only ever sold these things over the phone, like corporate sales again. So they had this idea thinking of us in mind to sell them digitally. And so we use ads, we, we built out a landing page with them. We've tested a bunch of different kinds of messaging. Uh, we had a couple of really big breakthroughs, again, on the, on the point of my favorite campaign. And one of them was that forever they'd been calling them exclusive suites. And as we start working into the details of the marketing and the messaging and which ads are working and which ones aren't and landing pages and all of that, um, we realized we just kept listing everything that was included. It's 20 tickets. It's, you know, four parking passes. It's this much food. It's this much drink. And so we started saying all inclusive and all inclusive just blew exclusive out of the water for maybe obvious reasons. But as soon as we had the idea, we're like, Ooh, this might actually work. Now they have their, a lot of their collateral, their non-digital collateral, they've switched to also say all inclusive. Um, and so that, that was a fun detail. Uh, similarly, we started testing pricing it per person again on this digital idea. Instead of saying it's going to be fifteen thousand dollars, it's more like, "Hey, this is four hundred dollars a per." Actually, let me reprice that. Say like instead of being you know eight thousand dollars, it's two hundred and fifty dollars a person, and it comes with your ticket and your parking pass and your food and drink for the night. Uh, so those two changes have really helped, and it's just a good example of we help establish brands that are shifting to digital. And so the United Center was not used to digital tactics and they wanted to run some tests to understand would this work for them? How would it work for them? Uh, and so we did that over a four month period uh, that went again, started almost exactly a year ago right now, it went through the end of the Bulls and Blackhawks season in May or June. And then we re-upped and now we're, they're a regular client on an annual basis. So that United Center one, certainly among like a lot of people who get these jobs at the Bulls or the Blackhawks are in sports and I, and I, you know, in the way that we work with them, I've said this, but it's like 12 year old me pinches myself regularly. And a lot of people that work in sports say that. Uh, so it's really just fun and pretty meaningful to me deeply. There's like the where I was at that point in my life and my, my dad passed away right around then. So there's just like deep, deep memories that are ingrained in my experience of, of the Bulls brand in particular. And the fact that it's like benefited me and our business in these other ways has been uh, pretty wild. Well, that's 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 really that's really cool. That's really special, Chris. Um, so you mentioned the lead came in from the Bulls. I, I can't only imagine what that would feel like. But how how were you marketing your company? And I guess how are you marketing your company? Any specific channels or strategies you can talk about? Well, you know we're a B two C marketing agency, and so the B two B marketing we do for ourselves is different from what our expertise is, I'd say. Now, 
our business has changed and evolved and we now have in-house creative and in-house technical people and we're doing more organic creative work. And so there's more B2B possibilities, I think, for our business. But what was particularly, I wouldn't say unlikely, but just like special about that situation is like we were just exactly what they were looking for. You know, they wanted someone in Chicago. They wanted someone who cared about the brand, who understood it, who could like specialize in this particular piece of the digital ads that we were good in. And so we had just basic SEO. Like they, if you Google search Chicago paid social and you're in Chicago, like we'll definitely be in the first few, um, you know, in the first few results. But the the challenge that we've had in in our agency B2B marketing is a lot of, I think the challenge that you all are dedicated to, which is just like in my Bulls story, they decided internally that they needed an agency like us and they went out and they searched for us. And thankfully we had enough SEO basics so that we came up, but we're doing an outbound now. And we like every agency or every you know solid agency, we have a really good basis of referrals and our own personal networks and our clients' networks that we can build off of. But every B2B business wants to be able to turn the switch and have a system and have a machine so that we know how many leads we're going to get and how many new clients we can get and have it be more predictable. But that intent piece and that timing piece of like what made the bulls reach out to us right then, I mean, I know now what it was, but that but it was entirely based on what's going on inside their own walls and, and nothing at all that we could have done to influence that timing or that or the or the, or their desire to hire an agency they contacted us after they'd already decided to hire an agency you know so i think like the awareness of the fact that like how much research is going on before they even reach out to us is kept in mind but i think it was what makes the data so valuable like as we just hired uh, we have this like outbound program that we've stood up relatively recently and that intense data is part of what we've been looking for because that's the piece where i was missing when knowing that we can't necessarily force demand on a client like the bulls and we just have to be ready when they like are looking for us that sort of intent data again that i do believe you guys are good at is part of is part of what recently we've become more aware of um, needs to be part of the picture yeah good stuff good stuff um how how you know it's you know i don't know competitive landscape wise i'm 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 i'm, I'm going out on a limb and saying it's pretty competitive um how does match no differentiate themselves from other companies in the same space? Yeah, it, it is so competitive if you're not clear on who you are and what you're good at. And I think that at the beginning, we made that mistake, like maybe a, lots of super small businesses do, we would just take the business that we could get. Uh, and then, as we started to I'd say level up and work with bigger clients. I remember in particular when we working with Lending Tree, we were kind of like, are we, are we, are we good enough for this? And then we realized like actually we're better than anybody they've ever worked with. And nice. they tell us that. And it's like, wow, okay. Maybe we are, maybe this is what we're good at. And seriously, it was like that. We're like, ah, paid social. Maybe we should put that on the top of our website. <laughs> and that is what and it made and it clicked with us. You know, we've always been data-driven, strategic. And and so um when you and, and there's a lot of agencies that do paid social, and there's lots of other agencies in Chicago that do paid social. But, but I think what we've learned is when we put our uniques together, there really isn't anybody that looks that much like us. Uh, at least like, and I'm not saying nationally or globally, but like in the competitive set that we're in, based on uh, the deals that we believe that we're right to win. So that is, and and everybody would sit. To some degree, almost any company would say this about themselves, 
but when you dive deeper into the reality of what it means of working with us, that we're data-driven, that we're strategic, that we're paid social first, and that we're an extension of your team, um, it ends up looking different than most other agencies we come across. And when we and we're aware of a handful that I would say are directly competitive to us that we come across in pitches and things like that, but it's the same handful, and I think they're good companies too. You know, so uh, you're right that it's competitive. The differentiation has come down to, again, like I said, knowing who we are and then putting that out, especially like established brands shifting to digital. We're not a D2C agency. There's lots of D2, there's not lots of paid social D2C agencies. Like that's not us. We have a couple of those clients and we do great work for them, but like we're not the like only D2C, every D2C business, let's get all the mattress companies. We're, we're, we're teams that already have an in-house professional marketing team of say two to eight people. Um, they understand they, there's someone on that team in particular that speaks our language and understands why we might be doing the things that we're doing and can help translate it internally. So there's all these components that end up making us a really good fit that ends up making us not a good fit for some other situations, which is, I think, another way of answering your question is like how we're differentiated is part of it is just like knowing where you stand and, and who you are and, and, and that you have to say no to some things or that we're not going to be the right fit for everybody. Yeah, I think that's that's wisdom and experience speaking there. So, Chris, <laughs> you're uh, I, old. You say, I, are yeah. you not class of '96? No, he's older than us, Chris. No? He's he's no, old. That, this is wisdom and experience right here. Well, that's what I thought, but yeah. Vince yeah. earlier said something about your age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, he's he's uh, he's way older than us. Chris, yeah, he was a on. freshman. You guys were, were freshmen when I was. We were right. Yeah, I know. AJ AJ, our co-host, would have been. Uh, he yeah. would have been young. Yeah, he's like 37, 38. You know, that's all right. You didn't grow class of 96. It's uh, I re it's so funny, like that era. You know, I, I remember those. I re you saying like, I remember when they won this and they did that. Like, I remember that, too. It's just uh, such, you know, great, uh, great times. I love the United Center story because you're right. It's, uh, you know, that's that's a that's a place that does different events all year round. It's not just it's 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 hockey, it's basketball, but it's concerts, it's different things. That's a cool one. And just. Being, being close to that, I love hearing that. I, I'm still yet to see a Bulls game in Chicago. So when I come and visit, if only Chris, you knew somebody. If, if only, only I knew right. someone. I know my uh, my new favorite Chicagoan. Is that the way to say it? But uh, Chicagoan. Chicagoan. I know. Uh, I've been to uh, you know when because now I have a couple options, right? With the Knicks and the Nets. When the Bulls come in town, I'm there. They're actually playing the Bulls. Uh, they played them yesterday. But uh, yeah, not they, pretty they, for us. No, no, I know. But uh, I couldn't couldn't make that one. But so, Chris, I want to get back to something you mentioned earlier. You're talking about NFTs. You know, that's something that I sort of have an idea about. But our listeners are always asking about. And I know it's like you started your own NFT project uh, yeah. known as C-Bums. Talk to us about that. Yes. Well, through the lens of Matchnode, which was definitely part of how C-Bums was conceived, uh, Mashnode is a, we're a small agile out on the cutting edge. Like I enjoy early adopting new technology as does my co-founder and it, and it works well when we're running ads because we'll go out and find the new thing that's working and apply it across our clients, you know, in a, in a higher level, more macro consideration when Apple and Facebook really started the fight around iOS 14.5 plus we changed our business in a bunch of ways due to that. Uh, including bringing creative and technical people in-house. But we also just 
on, I, I just personally, and I, I won't speak for my co-founder, but I think he generally agrees just seeing these like centralization versus decentralization friction that I think has happened a lot over, you know, decades, if not, you know, hundreds of years, but, but, but speaking to right now, seeing, uh the power that and 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 the control over traffic that the companies like uh you know facebook google microsoft have and like we are pretty agnostic to that generally like are we have an ad agency that generally runs traffic through those through those platforms but so i think it was part um like a curiosity and part um like a strategic position positioning and there were other things we're doing crypto around this too to like kind of assess and address some of the same i guess com long-term competitive landscape positioning issues and so uh, all that aside i also then personally deeply wanted to do this and so i started an nft project uh with uh my co-creator nate and nate is also uh in the match node world and the fact that he's uh, referred business to us. He referred lending tree to us. We referred the Cubs to him. Like he's an artist and he's done tons of concert posters over his career. He's done lots of great stuff, whether Metallica or Elton John or fish or you name it. Um, and so I talked to him about crypto for a long time. We've been in crypto. I personally, and, and match has been uh, on the outskirts of crypto for a long time. And, uh, yeah, we launched an NFT project called C bombs. We donated $150,000 to, uh, charities that help protect and clean the oceans. And we've got a great community of people who have bought an NFT, knowing that part of that money is going to protect the oceans. We give out monthly, it's like a monthly contest for beach cleanups. There's a lot of people in our community go out and do beach cleanups. And then we give them a POE app, which is a little mini NFT to, uh, it's kind of like a four square check-in for NFTs to commemorate that they did in, uh, a cleanup. And then that enters them into a drawing. So just fun little community engagement things that the people like, that the people in our community value. And so zooming out from the details of, of that particular project is just, we're deeply interested in uh, how like the ability to own things digitally in a new way, which like really was not possible before blockchain and, and NFTs and Ethereum in particular, I think, and how that um, changes ways in which uh, consumers are going to engage with and stick to brands. So, I mean, just personally seeing how we had this moment in our NFT project for about say six weeks where it was just crazy. You know, like there are so many new people coming in every day and it was just, it's just 24 seven, it's global and people just like, it's very emotional. Like I, I, our, our C bumps project is much quieter than it was at that time at that boom time. It's kind of settled into this values based small crew that enjoys like, helping and talking about these 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 issues um but i've continued to buy nfts and invest and stay in, in, involved uh the first nft i ever bought was a bulls nft and the bulls have done multiple uh nft drops and i'm super interested in organizations like theirs and others other brands that i like and what they're doing in nfts and why mm -hmm. but seeing the like rabid response and like the rabid stickiness even if it was for a short time to our project based around again a, like a common value that everyone held and then understanding what that can mean for other sorts of businesses. It could be art related or not. It can be music, but, but it certainly could just be, you know, a restaurant, you know, so there's, there's so many uh, ways in which I think NFTs are going to continue to affect and, and help 
uh, the ways in which brands and consumers interact. So that's a big, long answer. And I could have made it 25 times longer. No, <laughs> have no, you been, I, on a, you've been on a 12 or a 20 hour Twitter space? Cause you could do one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, exactly. But no, it's you're passionate about it. And then and my last question about uh, NFTs is really like, you know, how do creators and investors, you know, get involved with it? Yeah. It, what it, advice it is, do you have? Yeah. It's a great way to it's a great way to think through it because it is to get involved requires like a spark of curiosity, a small amount of money. It could be it could be as little as twenty dollars, or it could be you know as much as you want it to be. But it doesn't have to be a lot of money. And to me, the thing for an NFT, if you're interested in learning more, be just like find something you like. Like don't find something because you think it's going to go up in value, or because you think that it's going to make you rich or something like find an artist or a community or a cause or something. There's tons of them out there now that, that resonates with you. And that like, you want to have the thing to have the thing, not have the thing to sell the thing. And then for me, like I'm a deep believer and uh, deeply passionate about Ethereum as well. And so for me, having this NFT project, I've done like many thousands of transactions on Ethereum now, whereas like before that project, I'd only done a handful. So it's just like NFTs have onboarded people to decentralization and, and that's the way I think of it. It's not like crypto or blockchains. It's like this option where um, it uh, it keeps people honest. It keeps the centralized powers honest. I think it's super powerful and super important for, for the future. It, it, there's a lot of um, scams, downside, darkness, but there's so much upside and possibility. It can solve so many of our, or help solve so many of our most you know, tractable problems. So someone wants to do the basics, find an NFT project you like and buy it because you want to put it on your wall. Or you want to have it as your phone background and spend only as much money as you're willing to lose or, or not recoup and, 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 and then see where your curiosity takes you. Because I, I found that it is such a, like the combination of of, of community collaboration, curiosity, then of course there's commerce because the, the speculative aspect of it, even though I'm advising against basing anything on that, it is truly important. Humans like to speculate, humans like to collect, humans like from the beginning have wanted to have things and own them. And now somehow this like giant digital realm where we all live our lives is not also going to like be a strong part of that. And yeah, like I'm somewhat now referring to like the pushback against NFTs and crypto, which is is very, very, of course, there depending on the time of year or where you are in the market, people are going to love it or hate it. And that would be like my final thought that was really interesting to me about being as deep in NFTs as I was and as I am was the the amount of negativity is was a signal to me that something is up in a good way. Like people don't respond like this unless there's something here. Um, so the emotions on both sides of it are really interesting to me. Yeah, so Chris, I'm going to ask, I'm going to, I'm going to switch topics just a little bit here. Um, I'm, I'm really curious uh, in general, you know, people reach out to you all the time. I'm sure uh, trying to sell you things as well. Um, talk to me a little bit about, an email that might get your attention and then flip that around what what or even a linkedin message um and then tell me something that you just can't stand immediately hit the control d uh well i don't hit control d i hit report spam 
or yeah, unless they let me unsubscribe. Um, <laughs> if, vicious, let me unsub if there's a one, if there's a one click unsubscribe, I will unsubscribe. If there's not, I will report spam. Um, but look, we do it too. So I want to, like, I, I've I've certainly experienced both both being the sender and the receiver. So I would say, of course show that you've done some research. You might not be right that I'm in the market for a particular thing or that I'm interested in your issue, but at least show me that you tried to figure out who I am and maybe why I might be interested in your thing. And every once in a while, you might catch me at the right moment and I am interested in your thing and that's when I'll reply. Uh, but if I don't reply, that could mean like, hey, good email, but I, you, you didn't catch me at the right time. Uh, and th and I, those people I won't re report spam to. The people that I report spam to are the people who get presumptuous. It's like, treat me like I'm a human, you know, like, like don't assume that you're, that you deserve a response. So what bothers me is when people say, oh, well, like they're getting an attitude because you didn't respond. Like I, right, right, right. email number six that I've sent you in the past nine days and you haven't responded yet. And I don't know. I'm like, are you serious? So if I even read that, you know, that's going straight to spam. Um, so the, I think that, of course, this technology enables us to send messages in a way that you would never be able to do one-on-one. -on -one. So the more it feels like a real-world interaction where you're treating me like a person that you kind of, you know, I, I get that we are all looking for opportunities maybe, or we're trying to do some business sales, but like, you know, make sure that there's some sense of research behind it, that there's some chance. Uh, I was... In as we were talking before, and is is your business like the intent signaling and all that data that's out there on the internet? I was investigating that. I was looking into Bombora. I was under, deciding which an outbound email provider to use. And right then, a couple of people started hitting me up with things about intent data. I'm like, I know why you're doing this. You're actually showing me that you're using the tool, and I am in the market for that. And I took calls with people, you know. But like that's kind of a meta answer, you know. It's like I knew that they knew that I was in the market and how they were doing it. Cause that's what I was, that's what I was researching. And that's obviously a pretty specific example, but I really dislike the attitude of like, I owe them a response. Uh, and that, you know, one person recently I said, okay, please take me off your list. And they said, okay, well, is there someone else on your team? I should email. And I said, dude, my dude, I did not tell you to take me off my list because we're interested in your product. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, been there, been there. Yeah. Um, closing thoughts, Vin. You wanna, you wanna. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, Brian got to ask you our signature LinkedIn question. Uh, you know, now we like get get to know you personally a little bit, Chris. Tell me what you like. You're in Chicago. You you know, born and raised there. You know, you grew up in the greatest era in uh, in, in history. I think. Uh, you know, the 90s like me. What do you like to do now? You have uh, little ones. What do you like to do for fun? What are your hobbies? I do have little ones. Yes, we were. Uh, uh, and they are four and two. Mm -hmm. And so Matchnode, we used to be just Chicago based, had a headquarters and all the rest. COVID hit. We went remote. My co-founder moved to Indianapolis. And now we hire people all over the U.S. So four times a year we get together once in Chicago and three trips. We were just all in San Diego. My wife and kids and my in-laws flew out like on the back end of that trip and met. And so what I'm noticing now 
as we're in San Diego, we were in San Diego uh, visiting and just enjoying getting out of the cold Chicago weather. It's like all of my Google searches were to like go to a nice place and then playground. Like, where is the playground near this mm -hmm. beach? Is there a playground in that town that we can visit? So um, if I know you class of 96 events have small kids, so I don't know if that counts as a hobby, but it's certainly uh, time consuming in the best way. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's tons of that. Uh, because of our work with the Bulls and Blackhawks, we have a lot of tickets. So I do enjoy going to games. Chicago is an eating and drinking town for better or worse. So it's a lot of what uh, is exciting and available and new ha happens to do with, with those two items. So we definitely will enjoy that and indulge. Um, but that's a lot of it. You know, like I'm also uh, aside from all of that, as you've heard, hopefully in this podcast, I'm like deeply interested in business and technology. So I started a, uh, a rocket pool Ethereum validator in my basement about three months ago. <laughs> of course uh, you do. Who, who doesn't do that? Uh, exactly. That's awesome. What's that's a basement? A hobby. That's I a hobby. I mean, it pays, but it's it's a hobby. That's awesome. It, that no, it definitely counts as hobbies. It's like, look, you know, and also a lot of your hobbies, like you know, you I used to do things, and it's like your hobbies now revolve around your children. Like, if, if yep. is is Coco Melon a hobby? That's like uh, Coco Melon's a deep hobby. We see Coco Melon was free on the airplane last night with the Wi-Fi. My daughter was very excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we're excited that you joined us today, Chris. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Chris Madden, the co-founder of Match No. Check out Match No. Check out Chris Madden. You know, but you better have a compelling. Uh, email forum or you know else you go and write uh you know write to do not uh you know or unsubscribe or spam spam, spam. Write to spam. you know chris does not take it i love it chris thank you for spending time with us that's brian gold one of the co-hosts of the marketing sir i'm vincent petropessa this has been another episode of the marketing sir thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon thanks for listening to the marketing stir podcast by starista please like rate and subscribe if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.